Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. What's going on, I Do Podcast listeners? Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. On today's show, we have Dr. Bernard 
Golden. I also referred to him as Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> you, did, you did. And, you know, he, he, did, he did. He said refer to him as, as Bernie. Bernie. But we're so used to introducing them as, you know, Dr. Yeah. Golden. And then we just... We went with that for the rest of the show and until I, the very end. I guess I think it's, <laughs> we think it's much funnier than you might, but I just think of, uh, you know, he's a doctor. He's been practicing as a psychologist for almost 40 years and I feel like I got to call him Dr. Golden, yeah. you know, Bernie's just a little bit too informal, respect your elders. And, but, uh, I call him Bernie at the end of the show. So listen to the end to hear that <laughs> hilarious line. It's not that funny. <laughs> it's not that funny. Well, anyways, Dr. Golden is the founder of Anger Management Education in Chicago, and he has several books on anger management. And as I already said, he's been a practicing psychologist for almost 40 years. And guy is just has a ton of knowledge and was extremely helpful to Sarah and I. And hopefully you guys are going to find the information valuable, too, where we talk about how to resolve conflict. And specifically, we get into dealing with anger. And, and a lot of conflict comes from anger about something, being triggered, whether it's one partner or the other, and, and how to navigate that. So it was very timely for us. We talk about a specific argument that we had uh, recently, and uh, I think there's a lot of great things in today's show. Yeah, I went into the interview thinking that I didn't have too much to learn from anger, anger management, because Chase and I, we don't have an anger problem. But Dr. Golden really goes into detail and explains that anger is not just throwing plates at each other, screaming or yelling. So at the end, it was super valuable. And like Chase said, we did have a conflict the other day. So we were able to talk through it with Dr. Golden and it was great. So I think you guys will really benefit from hearing this conversation, uh, even if you don't have an anger or anger management problem. Yeah. Speak for yourself, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah Sarah is definitely the more zen of the two. Sarah said, we don't have an anger pro problem. I have an anger problem, <laughs> for sure. But oh, don't I think be so the hard main point that she was saying is that it doesn't have to manifest itself in the classic raging uh, expression of someone, a couple throwing plates at each other. I just always picture that for some reason, it's like cliche movie argument blow up. But uh, it doesn't have to be that. It can be a more subdued, even an internal response where you get angry and you shut down emotionally and you don't communicate. But uh, Sarah is definitely the the more zen of the two of us. In my anger problem, as I talk about, it's more I get triggered by certain things and go into detail in uh, Bernie helps uh, helps us break it down. Well, thank you. I, I uh, attribute it all to my yoga practice. Yoga. My zen, no. <laughs> uh, no, um, but we are putting together a freebie for you guys. It is the seven guidelines to help couples manage conflict. And that is what Dr. Golden is talking about this show. So after this episode, if you head on over to our website at idopodcast.com forward slash 111, which is uh, today's episode 111, you can get our freebie, which is the seven guidelines to help couples manage conflict. It's natural to to have anger. I don't think anyone 
is never angry about anything. If you are, good on you. But <laughs> there are going to be things that trigger you to be angry and be angry at your partner or, or what they're doing. So we want to be able to n- have the tools to navigate that anger internally and then how if it, if it is coming out externally, you want to be able to deal with that and, and not let it negatively affect your relationship. But the, the point is that I think it's normal that there's conflict. Everyone has it. Um, it's just how we deal with it. Uh, that's the important thing. And not to think that we need to be some super enlightened person that is never, ever having an issue with their partner or with themselves in, in becoming angry. Because I know I can be judgmental of a lot of things that I'm doing. And one of them is like, man, why am I being triggered and, and sort of getting frustrated with that rather than understanding that it's a natural thing and that I want to work on it. So anyways, Dr. Golden, a.k.a. Bernie, has a lot of great things in today's episode. And as always, we appreciate you guys for listening. We love it. We just got another uh, amazing email yesterday, I think it was, and just someone saying a longtime listener and keep up the good work and, and how the guests and the information that we're providing is helping them in their lives. So that's uh, that's really what we're here to do is to get the information for ourselves and, and help our relationship and hopefully help you in your relationship or the relationship that you're going to be in. Um, maybe you're not in one right now, but you're going to have these great tools when you get to a loving relationship. So we hope you guys enjoy this episode and have a wonderful day. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. Get matched with your perfect therapist who can put you on a path to a happier life. For $30 off your first month, visit Talkspace.com forward slash I do. That's Talkspace.com forward slash I do. Hi, Dr. Golden. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. So we've given our listeners a little overview about the work that you've done in helping people improve their relationships. So why don't you tell us why you enjoy the work that you do? I've uh, realized over time that uh, my interest in anger stemmed from a variety of areas. Professionally, I worked as a teacher in the elementary school in the South Bronx for six years and I tell people I learned about my own anger as well as uh, anger with dealing with the children. And But I really became more interested on a personal level from watching my parents. It wasn't like they were rageaholics, but they really kind of picked at each other consistently. And uh, I think they held each other responsible for a variety of decisions they'd made. So I think that was a seed for me wanting to help people move uh, beyond arguing to discuss things uh, more straightforward, to be able to discuss things clearly, to uh, lead a more fulfilling life and to have a better relationship. That's really at the root of a lot of why it's so hard to relate is is this conflict and, and anger and what triggers us. And I know personally in Sarah and I's relationship, I find that 
my anger, and I don't consider myself a, an overly angry person, but definitely uh, have things that trigger me and set me off. But that that is really, especially w- with us, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners, that is one of the big uh, obstacles uh, in our relationship that we're always trying to improve on. I know I am. In fact, just yesterday, we had a bit of a discussion and some conflict uh, resolve around my anger. So we're going to focus on that today and talk about resolving conflict and, and a lot of that being centered around conflict arising from one partner's anger. So what is a common area or what are some of the common areas of conflict? And let's dive into how we can uh, deal with them. The main sources of conflict with couples are centered around finances, spending time with uh, family, differences in expectations regarding cleanliness or organization in the house, sometimes differences in parenting, sometimes differences about how to spend time together and or alone. One person, one partner might want to spend more individual time than uh, his or her partner, and that causes conflicts as well. And obviously, there's a broad range of of things that are triggering people to to come into conflict in a relationship. Let's talk about how to deal with it, because that's just it. Like, no relationship, at least none that I've ever encountered, I can't imagine, is perfect. (laughs) There's going to be conflict when you get two individuals sharing a life together. So, I don't want to say it's inevitable, but it, it's going to come up. And how can we navigate conflict in the best way possible? Primarily, I encourage people who are in a relationship, partners, the first thing is to learn anger management skills. Uh, all too often, uh, my colleagues and even my clients laugh when I say, well, the worst time to have a discussion is when you're angry because we have an emotional brain and a rational brain. And uh, this has nothing to do with intelligence or uh, chronological age, that uh, if the emotional brain is triggered, it uh, very rapidly takes over the ability to think clearly. And so over the years, for example, whereas I've done a lot of many years of work with couples, I've increasingly focused on individuals to help them become more connected with themselves and to uh, be able to sufficiently calm themselves so they can discuss their differences. Uh, So the first step in dealing with conflict would be to individually learn how to manage anger. Now, I have a question that this probably should have been asked first, but what is considered anger? Because when I think of anger and anger management, I think of two couples screaming or yelling at each other but that may not be the case, um, is it? Or can you explain what anger is categorized under? Sure. Anger itself is just an emotion. And uh, very often people associate just the word anger with aggression, acting out on the emotion, yelling, screaming, throwing things. Uh, some people are fearful of even the word anger because of that kind of connotation that it has. So it stems from feeling, or I should say, a perceived threat whether it's real or not, as well as some kind of inner pain, such as anxiety, shame, feeling discounted, feeling powerless. Uh, Whether it escalates to acting out is entirely different. At the same time, it's a natural emotion that if we pause to reflect on it, 
it tells a lot about ourselves rather than the other person in terms of looking at our expectations, whether they're realistic or not realistic. It also is very much stems from some key desire that's being thwarted or challenged. Uh, my need for trust, my need for connection, my desire for respect. And so much of anger management would be to taking, being, learning how to pause to better understand ourselves and then be able to express that to our partner. I feel with your definition of that, it, it makes it a lot more relatable because at first when you hear anger management, at least I assume that I don't have an anger problem and I don't need anger management. But when you talk about how it's really just dealing with how you want desire or respect, it makes it a lot more relatable. And, and I feel that it's something that I could benefit from. I do see even the term anger management on a long continuum, and I go to conferences sometimes, and other providers are working in prisons or uh, domestic violence centers, and uh, I work in a, my own practice, and so I see, uh, in a sense, uh, a population that is less, that's not as severe on, on that continuum, but it's still, how do we deal with that same emotion? Yeah, to go with what Sarah said, it, you don't have to be throwing plates at your partner across the room to have an anger problem, and it comes in many forms. And I definitely have a strong response um, to to certain things that I I use the word trigger, where and why your recommendation of learning to manage your anger is such an important thing in, in the first thing you mentioned because yeah ultimately if I get triggered and and I become angry and and the way I usually do that is I I will just I don't get loud or at least I try not to. I just get very irritable, I guess is a good way to describe it. And, and then try to communicate that. But then I'm communicating it with a certain tone that's maybe condescending or it's not productive to the conversation. Whereas if I can just pause and don't let my emotions get the better of me uh, or AKA manage my anger better, then Sarah and I are going to have a much more productive conversation. And that's just a constant battle. So how can I or someone in this similar situation practice managing uh, the anger better? So much about being able to pause in the moment involves practice and rehearsal long before a triggering event uh, arouses our anger. We want a quick fix sometimes, but anger in very many ways is our own physiology has a certain set point, and sometimes it's too easily triggered. So some of the strategies for helping us re reduce that trigger effect is learning to do relaxation exercises, doing a body scan, taking a moment, a, a couple of once, once or twice a day for one minute, just scanning your from foot to toe, just feeling your muscles and feeling tense. When we're angry, we, we're distracted and focusing on the situation or the other person. And so rehearsing, becoming more aware of your body, you can become more sensitive to the point where anger arises. Another strategy is doing a, a mind, I, I, I call it a mental pulse check, emotional pulse check, a couple of times a day. What am I feeling? Just kind of reflecting on that. Now, all too often, most of us 
have trouble identifying feelings. We, we can say, I'm feeling hurt. And I ask clients, well, what form of hurt? What type of hurt? It takes a while to help people, even with vocabulary. Some people will say, well, how would you feel if, if he or she did that? Okay, so how do you feel when he or she did that? And the more you can tease out the, uh, the specific word, just labeling and the feelings behind the anger, uh, research indicates has lowered that physiological response. Other strategies include, uh, increasingly, I, I borrowed from compassion-focused theory and therapy. And their findings are that if I envision saying compassionate words to someone, including my partner, may you have peace, may you be healthy, and say those same words to myself, uh, I become more physically calm. They've done studies where the cortisol, that hormone responsible for fight-flight, reduces through that kind of uh, envisioning. So there are activities to rehearse long before a triggering event. Uh, a very helpful one is completing a trigger, uh, excuse me, an anger log. I have this available in my book, but there are many on the internet, where after an event has happened, when you're calm, it could be hours later or days later, working backwards to better identify expectations or knee-jerk conclusions that you made that made you more vulnerable to anger. And that helps then when you're in the moment to be able to re, uh, recapture that ability. I've developed or coined an acronym. I call it BEAR, B-E-A-R. B is breathe deeply. This includes inhaling and exhaling with special attention to exhaling. Evoking physical calm, and this I say is based on your practice long before the triggering event. Arousing compassion, and that might be those words I've mentioned, including this is a feeling, this is temporary, this is hard to sit with, I'm not, I'm not leaving you, I'm just going to sit here with this. And uh, reflect, reflecting on what are the feelings connected to my anger, are my expectations realistic, unrealistic, are they reasonable but unrealistic? And so I find that's helpful to identify anger in the moment. That's a great little acronym. And it's like a lot of the things we talk about on the show and the advice we get, it's easier said than done, right? It's we are um, emotional beings. And I would encourage anyone out there because I know I myself, I'm always trying to work on this. And it's it's just that it's a constant uh, process. It's, I am not, uh, Zen and at one with the universe and an enlightened being. I, I, I strive towards that, but I think we, in this is, I'm, I'm not, I guess, apologizing for my, my anger, but I guess being less judgmental of myself in, in the process of trying to work on that and understanding just that, that it's a process. It is a process, and anger is an, it's an interplay of feelings, thoughts, and, be, and physical sensations, and it's a habit. And so sometimes we're, we want this quick fix rather than being aware that habits take time to change, just like learning an instrument. It, it involves patience, a commitment to, to change that interplay, uh, and it is a process. 
And many times I see a lot of people who want to change, whether it's anger or some other issues, but there are blocks that get in the way of devoting time to do it. A lot of demands and life, life interferes at times. I think hearing you say that it's a process is, is so important for me to really understand because like Chase mentioned yesterday, we, we were gotten to a bit of an argument, a discussion, um, and it turned into some conflict. And, and in the moment, I'm thinking, how are we having this conversation again? You know, it's, we've, we've had this before. And by you saying it's a process, it, it really makes me kind of look back on yesterday's conversation and say, yeah, you know, we were able to talk through, we got, we got some resolution from it. And it is a process. So I think next time we'll be able to learn from that conversation and hopefully be in an even better place if we get into another conflict like that. Definitely. It uh, involves that ongoing discussion back and forth. Uh, one of the guidelines that I don't list in my seven is I encourage couples to spend 15 minutes a week not about talking about conflicts, but talking about what went well this week, whether it was the communication or how they spend time with each other. I uh, borrow from companies. If a company's doing well, they're reviewing what went well. It puts a big spotlight on the positive aspect of what went well, whether it's the communication or how they solved the conflict, without getting back into the details of the conflict, but just emphasizing that this is something we need to do more of in the future. That's a great activity. And I think we need to do that personally, because uh, it, it's kind of unique in that we have this podcast, and we're talking to therapists and, and doctors and experts like yourself. And we're getting all this information. And it almost, I catch myself almost overanalyzing our relationship, I, I maybe call it like self diagnosing and and we're like, well, that you know, this person said that, and and it's valuable because it hundred percent helps us, and I think it helps our listeners. But so much of that is focused on negative things because that's when we're using it. Is there's a conflict or a disagreement, and and that can be something negative, and and so we're not taking the time to talk about the positive. So that's definitely a a a good exercise. And on that. On that same note, let's talk about yesterday, specifically this disagreement that Sarah and I had. Uh, what happened was is is we were actually involved the podcast and we were talking about um, whether or not to to uh, reach out to this person that we were waiting to hear from. And Sarah wanted to wait and I wanted to reach out. And it seems very simple, right? It's like not not a big thing. And what triggered me, and not to bore everyone with the details, but I think this is important so that see how Sarah and I are trying to to walk through things. But Sarah said, this is the right thing to do. Like, quote, this is the right thing to do from Sarah. And, and that just made me feel like, well, you know, and we actually talked about it the other week is like, well, who are you to to judge this situation. And that kind of triggered me. And I didn't get too upset. I, I tried to remain calm. And, and, and I think Sarah can agree. It didn't really digress too much there. But, but it was good to, to understand that that's what was triggering me. We talked about it. But in the end, and this is where we kind of got stuck. And, and I guess I'd, I'd like to hear your opinion. Um, Sarah said, you're right. I shouldn't have said it. Uh, 
I should have said maybe th- in my opinion, this is not what we should do rather than, you know, the judgmental, this is the right thing to do from the, from her. But at any rate, we still, we talked it out and we were calm and, and that was good. But then in the end, we still were like, I disagreed. I said, I, I wanted to call. And in fact, I actually did. And she said, I, I disagree with how you handled that. Where do we go from there, I guess? Um, and I can provide more details, but does that make sense? And, and where would we go from there if we both sort of are in disagreement about how the situation was handled? I emphasize for a lot of, a lot of communication that there are two different tracks going on at the same time. We could focus on details, facts, data, and reason. And then there's emotion. And all too often, I, I, I see couples focusing on facts. So to present something on a factual level uh, makes it more likely to have some conflict. So if uh, behind the desire to contact this, to reach out, might be, okay, I'm feeling concerned. I'm feeling a little anxious. This is why I'd like to reach out. And that brings it back to the emphasis on on the feeling behind it. Whatever we do, so much of what we like, what we don't like is is very feeling-based. And if we make it personal in terms of saying how I'm impacted by this, it becomes much less threatening. And it's a much more assertive way of of communicating. But uh, staying on the facts and saying this is the right way. I've seen arguments by couples over how to load the dishwasher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, and this has happened a number of occasions where one partner looked up, uh, Googled it, and then showed uh, their partner, oh, see, I was right. Versus, okay, let's accept our differences, and it's okay. <laughs> it's a, it, there are some issues to, that are really important to, uh, to try to be on the same page about, and then, then there are others that aren't that important. Yeah, I think at the end... This in this situation, it may not be that important. It was just a small little detail that we are both trying to, I guess, control the situation in the way that we wanted. And stepping back, like Chase said, I, I probably shouldn't have said that this is the right thing to do because it led into the conversation that we should do it my way versus talking about it first and making a decision together. So, so yeah, I think that's very helpful. And it's so important that you did look at it afterwards and discuss it rather than just forgetting about it, minimizing it and moving on. Yeah, it is important. And, but I can tell you, and I want to tell our listeners, it's, it can be exhausting, you know, like when you really, and we were both exhausted. It was probably a 45-minute conversation. We weren't yelling. We both, I said, let's go outside. Our daughter was sleeping. And let's just sit down because I'd like to hash this out. And and we both agreed. And we were talking just like I'm talking here. But it was just, it's really hard. It's hard work. Like it's a, it was a simple argument, but it was about some, some bigger things. And Sarah mentioned control. What we determined a little bit from hashing it out was that I wanted to control the situation and, and have uh, a certain outcome. And that was contacting the person. And Sarah wanted to control the situation and 
do it the way that she thought was best, not in spite of me, but because she thought it was that. And then it became, well, I, I just did what I want anyways. And that's where, you know, it, it got a little tricky. And, and I said, well, I'll, I'll try not to be so controlling, but it wasn't stemming just from that. But the, the point here is that it's complicated. And, and through the information like that you're giving us, and we were able to talk it out and it was exhausting and we spent energy and, but it's worth it because that to me is better than me getting angry, Sarah being uh, resentful, and then we both cross our arms and we said, just forget it. And to me, that, that goes in that like negative bank account and things like that can just build up and build up. And then you're in a really, really unhealthy place. Right. I have two, two thoughts about what you've just shared. One is that I'm listening and I'm thinking of in terms of the issue of control gets discussed versus I'm feeling discounted or diminished. And that would be the feeling to communicate is best. And that takes that ability to say, okay, what, what am I feeling? And I think that gives them a little more accuracy when it is less threatening rather than a person trying to control. Uh, the other thought was uh, you, you had the discussion five minutes beyond the recommended limit that I include in my seven guidelines for conflict resolution. What I mean by all too often, couples will spend so much time, and I say, if it's not been discussed in 30 and 40 minutes max, walk away, because at that point, you're, you're, the benefits are not being uh, satisfied. The, the detriment outweighs the benefits, put it that way. Yeah, we, we definitely spent more than <laughs> your recommended time on that. So, so after uh, there's a conflict, and, and then you encourage people to pause and then go back when they're calm and talk about it, hopefully for you know five minutes, not 30 minutes. What's the next step after that if there's still not resolution or, um, yeah, if there's still not resolution, what would be the next step? Okay. One of the things I suggest is couples look at, uh, I made up a, a list of guidelines to discuss long before there are conflicts. In a sense, these are a commitment to follow these guidelines, these suggestions, when we do have these conflicts arise. And the first one was learning to practice healthy anger. And that's an individual uh, focus. The second is when you're involved in the conflict. If you're experiencing uh, a level four on a one to 10 level of anger, that's when I suggest you Use a word as a signal to stop the conversation. Uh, agree ahead of time to some silly, whimsical word. I had a couple who used the word avalanche, cheese ball, penguin, pelican. Um, you agree ahead of time to one partner says that word. And again, rather than waiting until it's a level eight or nine, if you're experiencing in your body a level four, indicating with that word that you want to stop, uh, and I do say make it whimsical. Ideally, resume the activity planned or that you had planned prior, or if you need to seek solitude, go in the other room for a while, do a relaxation exercise. Uh, not with the intent that you'll come back immediately and have that discussion, but just to increase your calmness. I really discourage partners from leaving the house in this moment because it arouses all kinds of other feelings, perhaps related to trust, uh, abandonment issues. And so the, uh, the anger becomes a whole distraction to other feelings. I say resume the discussion at another time when you're more calm. 
And again, if you can't discuss it with outgoing above a four or five, at some point you may need uh, some other person to, to listen. Uh, but I used to say, find the time to calm yourself. If it escalates, resolve to discuss your concern, set time limits. Uh, avoid discussing conflicts immediately before going to sleep or in the bed or in the bedroom because that anxiety and intention in your body, it taints the bedroom. And a uh, bedroom should be for sleeping and, and physical intimacy. And that kind of tension really, uh, like I said, taints, taints that area. Uh, another contribution, which I didn't have on my, my list, was the ability to, poly- to apologize really contributes to uh, the commitment in a relationship. Apology makes clear that I value, uh, that I contributed to your, to your feeling hurt, uh, and I want to work on that in the future. So to be clear, what is the amount of time exactly that you recommend uh, to spend uh, 30, 40 minutes maximum. Yeah, I, I, I earlier Sarah had said five minutes. Just wanted to be clear for the listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah, yesterday we were, we were just about 45 minutes maybe, roughly speaking. And yeah, it, it was getting – we were beating a dead horse at that point. So I think that's, uh, that number is right on. And I think that uh, if you're going that long, you're focusing again on facts, data, reasons – as opposed to the feelings behind it. Uh, I'll give you an example of a, a couple I saw years ago. I saw the husband individually first for some anger sessions, and he felt it was helpful. A year later, he calls up, and he asks if his wife can come in. I said, sure. Each then proceeds to tell me that what happened, there was some physical altercation. And uh, his wife didn't describe it in the same way he described it. And I said, okay. So let's talk about the feelings that led up to it. And he indicated, well, no, she's not telling it the way it was. <laughs> and uh, I said, I've learned over the years that in the moments of anger, especially because it's so much a function of the emotional brain, that uh, how we perceive things can be very different. So save the facts for a lawyer or the police. But here we're going to talk about the feelings behind what led to this conflict. That's uh, such an important thing, and we're both laughing because we, well, I'm assuming Sarah's thinking the same thing, but we were playing like forensic detective with this argument yesterday, and and I'm sure other people can relate, but like we were looking at timestamps of the phone call and and trying to deal with the facts of our argument, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm usually actually the source of, of conflict. I'm not saying I'm perfect in any stretch, but I was the one that was like, okay, like I'm not concerned with the facts here and let's talk about how we're feeling. Like, I don't, I don't care what time the the phone call was or was not. And because we're rehashing it. And, and I said, I don't think that's what happened. And Sarah's like, oh, it definitely happened here. Here's, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely guilty of trying to do the facts in, in yesterday's conversation. So that's very helpful that I, you know, don't do that in the future. Talk about the emotion. Yeah. Right. One of one, one contributor to the intensity of anger about a triggering event is we make a knee-jerk conclusion about the triggering event. And all too often, whether we're aware of it or not, we're making the conclusion, it's happening again. 
And that's the emotional mind and gets very global. Oh, yeah, I remember being treated this way. And it could be it's happening again related to current relationship last week, last month. It could be I'm experiencing this again relating to uh, earlier hot buttons that I've experienced in many relationships. But if we feel like our anger is overly intense for the situation, then we're usually making that conclusion it's happening again, even without being aware of it. And so often when I ask when work my, with my work with individuals, I'll, I'll suggest that and then they'll look at it and say, yeah, of course. I just didn't realize I've been making that conclusion. It's happening again. Yeah, well, Dr. Golden, you've given us so much great information and definitely helped Sarah and I rehash our, our silly argument from yesterday. So hopefully our listeners can pull some valuable stuff the next time that they have a conflict. I know that we will be able to use it. Now we got to go forward to the lasting love round. But first, we want to tell you a little bit about today's sponsor, Talkspace. So pretty much every expert, doctor, therapist, psychologist we have on the show unanimously recommends therapy as a way to work on yourself or work on your relationship. And Sarah and I have experienced firsthand how valuable this can be. And that's why we are really excited to be working with a sponsor who's been with us for a few months now, our, our first and, and longest running sponsor, Talkspace. Talkspace is an online therapy company that makes it easy to connect with an experienced, licensed therapist that you pick based on your preferences for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy. You can send your therapist text, audio, and video messages, or even do live chat. Yeah, and it's like you're there in the room with them, making it super easy to communicate and talk through and work out whatever it is you're seeking therapy for. Talkspace therapists are fully licensed and go through rigorous training process, in addition to thousands of hours of supervised professional training. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash I do. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can use the coupon code I do and get $30 off your first month and to show support for this podcast. That's I do and Talkspace.com forward slash I do. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? Treat each other with compassion. Treat each other as you would your, your best friend who hopefully is your partner and try to be as empathic as you can, recognizing what their feelings are. Is there a book or resource you could recommend for listeners who want to improve their relationship? Uh, one of my favorite books is the one by Gary Chapman, Five Love Languages. And I'm sure everyone's heard of that. A lot of people have heard of that one. I find that very effective. So I often recommend that for couples working together um, and, and my own book for the individual uh, and couples anger specifically. But in terms of some communications, he does a really good job of helping couples realize that there's a difference in their expectations about love and what that means to them. That we come from different families with different ideas and experiences about love. Excellent. Well, we'll be sure to add that book as well as the seven guidelines uh, 
to managing conflict on our website as well. So our listeners can go there to check out those resources. We've been married for almost three years now. Is there any advice you'd give newlyweds? Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy the first three years. Uh, very strong bonds develop in the, in the first three years. You're getting acquainted with each other's expectations. And uh, the more communication, the better, in a sense, to, to recognize what different needs are. You, you're blending personalities. Uh, coming back to the idea of you're entering a relationship with your rational mind and your emotional mind. And the emotional mind has all kinds of expectations about what a relationship should be. So working individually on that as well as sharing what you're expecting rather than taking for granted the other person should know. What advice would you give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship? The more you can work on being connected with yourself really helps in any future relationship. Your ability to be in touch with your feelings helps the communication in a relationship. Your ability to access what are your key desires helps so that you're not feeling overwhelmed uh, either by deferring uh, or ignoring things that are bothering you for the sake of avoiding conflict. And so developing skills and being assertive, whether with friends uh, or family, will really help when you are in a, in a relationship. Well, Bernie, we really appreciate having you on the show today. Like I said, it was like uh, we were in a therapy session a little bit, uh, being able to talk about yesterday's conflict and giving us and our listeners some great tools to resolve it and deal with it better in the future. So why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and then we'll say goodbye. Okay, I'm in Chicago and uh, my group is Anger Management Education. AngerManagementEducation.com is my website. Excellent. Well, all those resources will be on your show notes page at idopodcasts.com. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you again for having me. We hope you guys enjoyed today's interview with Dr. Bernard Golden. If you want to get your hands on today's free download, head on over to our website at idopodcast.com forward slash 111 to get today's free download of the seven guidelines to help couples manage conflict. We also have some exciting news that we didn't announce in the, in the pre-show, and that is that we created a private Facebook group called The Love Tribe. The reason why we created this Facebook page is to help support each and one of you in improving and making your relationship even better. So we encourage you guys to join this group and to share your success stories, your tips, your heartaches. Uh, we want to be there for each other. And although every relationship is different, let's be each other's inspiration. So we hope you guys join our Love Tribe Facebook group. We actually just did our first Facebook Live over the weekend on our date night, and we did have a little hiccup. My best friend decided to join the video on accident, so that was kind of hilarious. But uh, so hope you guys don't judge us for messing up our first Facebook Live. But anyway, you guys can find the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash love tribe fam like family, F-A-M. 
uh, Love Tribe just wasn't available. So that's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Love Tribe fam. And we'll go ahead and link to that in the show uh, description, the podcast description um, as well and on the show notes page. So we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and all of our fun activities that we have going on for you guys. Also, we we still have our 14-day happy couple challenge going on on our website at idopodcast.com forward slash 14. Get 14 daily emails with challenges to help improve your relationship on a daily basis. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening. See you next week. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.